Welcome to Fielding Questions, a podcast in collaboration between Ag Country Farm Credit Services and the Red River Farm Network, exploring the world of farm finance in rural life. I'm Kara Hart. Ag Country Farm Credit Services Market Education Specialist Katie Tangen joins us this week. Katie, there's a lot of data to digest here. Were you surprised with anything? You know, there were a few surprises and they, they go both ways. There's some positive surprises and there's some not so positive surprises. So um, I guess on the positive side, we can start with corn. And that was, um, first of all, on the production numbers, they did the resurvey for basically it was Minnesota, North Dakota, and South Dakota because of the late planting season we had. And uh, very small changes. It's 100,000 uh, acre decrease in planted acres. And that all came out of Minnesota. They did not change the numbers for uh, North Dakota or South Dakota. You know, so that's one thing. But the other part of that, of course, is yield. And the trade itself was looking for a 175.9, and we're going to come in with a 175.4. So about a half a bushel miss on corn. You know, it's not major, but between just slightly less area and half a bushel less, um, it, it did tighten down the balance sheet a fair amount. Um, on the production side of things, you know, there was some other assorted odd changes, but we're just starting the marketing year, so I don't get too wrapped up in all that. And then the other part I want to point out on the corn balance sheet is where USDA does its projected market year average price. Corn is the one that did not have any changes. You know, they kept their projected price totally the same as they had last month, both for 21 and for 22. But, um, you know, so a few things. Things I think are worth watching. Now, when we talk about the yield surveys for August, for corn and for soybeans, USDA's methods right now are farmer surveys and satellite data. They do not include objective yield surveys until next month. So they still have, you know, some few to them. I would say that's probably more so in soybeans just because of the production year. You know, usually we have our yield for soybeans set more in August. Uh, than we do in uh, corn. So we're just a little bit further along in corn development, and I I find that yield is slightly more reliable. But when we do look at beans, if there was a bearish surprise, it will be on the bean balance sheet. USDA did find less acres of beans, so they revised the planted area for beans lower because of the resurvey. Those changed acres uh, came out of North and South Dakota. Actually, Minnesota came in the same, but they did take out, um, it wasn't a, a large amount, you know, 200000 for North Dakota. But then they also revised the yield higher, which cut a lot of people off guard. Because in July, trend line yield was 51.5. Uh, trade was looking for uh, 51.1. So about, a you know, four-tenths of a bushel decline. And USD actually raised it. So we're going to have a 51.9 bushel yield estimate. So not only did we go up from July, we went the wrong direction. So trade thought lower, USDA comes out higher, and that does give us a slightly looser balance sheet. We're at 245 million bushels, a a slight revision lower on the market year average price. Not a huge one, but they did push that just a bit lower, like I just mentioned, because we are not as far in the year as we are for corn, at least in terms of production. That number's a little less firm. But, you know, there's still certainly some things to to keep an eye on. I think in terms of major production states that are struggling for beans, uh, Nebraska had already taken a hit um, down, I 
in the mid-50s, I believe, for yield. So for them, certainly not stellar. And then the other areas that took a, a hit were really in the Delta. Other areas appeared to be, you know, pretty good in relationship to last year. If you look at North Dakota's numbers, it looks a little wonky because it's up, I think it's like 38% from last year. But that's because we came off of a, a you know really rough yield. So last year was 25.5, and now we're up in the mid-30s again. Katie, what about a closer look at the wheat? On wheat, I, I think the highlights there are, you know, first of all, that USDA raised their export projection for the 22 crop. You know, wheat's a tough, a tough nut to crack on the global market. So they did revise that higher. Globally, they revised production out of the EU lower, which was expected. Um, Russian production was actually raised substantially. Their exports were raised, but not, you know, miserably. We are, they will still build their internal stocks. I think the really important, uh, and also food use, I should mention that as well, food usage for wheat in the U.S. Um, was increased and would be a record if it was met. So, you know, those are all really good things. I think the one part we need to mention, though, is that last month the projected market year average price on wheat was 10.50. Today it's going to come in at 9.25. So, yes, we are picking up, projected to pick up exports, but it comes at a, at a cost. We have to do it at a lower price than what we were doing. Um, that left the balance sheet at 610 million bushels, which is pretty tight. Um, so there, there's probably going to be some discussions ahead about how we're going to do that with, you know, more exports. Do we really want to go to that low? Um, and there's things that play in that specifically with Russia and Ukraine that we just, we just don't know yet. And then as far as spring wheat is concerned, they did not change the planted area on spring wheat. That was left the same as it was in July, uh, despite the resurvey. And then also, I believe it was a 47.9 yield, which is a very strong yield for spring wheat. The balance sheet for spring wheat specifically comes in at 127 million bushels. And for 2021, we're looking at about 140. So not gaining any ground on that balance sheet. And there's a lot of flex on 22 because it's so new in the year, but it, it looks like we'll remain relatively tight. So now that we've got this data, Katie, and I know that um, markets have already started shifting their focus back to weather, I guess now it's just confirmation of what actually comes to fruition, right? What does the rest of the growing season look like? There is a big area of production outside of the Dakotas and Minnesota, but let's focus in here where we sit here at the middle of August. Uh, seems like it's going to be drier, drier um, and maybe slightly warmer conditions to end the growing season. So I wonder if that, how that's all going to play out. I mean, a lot of times, especially the last two weeks, or maybe just a hair early, but the last week for sure of August, the last two weeks of August seems to get kind of a lull. Like, what are we going to do now? It's pretty well set. We can't, um, can't change things. But then also remember it was a lot later crop this year. So we may get that lull closer to the first week of September, if not just a hair after. Um, you're right. It does look drier. Obviously, this spring we had our, our own fair share of challenges. There was a lot of rain. There was a lot of wet areas. We were able to recharge um, some of that subsoil moisture in a lot of cases that we would have lost in the 2021 growing season. But we're also starting to see some dry areas creep up into specifically um, southeastern North Dakota. Uh, Richland County has the 
a small spot of moderate drought and then some abnormally dry um, same spot clips down into Wilkin and then of course southern Minnesota has some abnormally dry and, and drought and so forth but um, you know we're going to have to watch that and see how that plays out you know locally there's not a lot of old crop left so if we were and I'm, I'm not suggesting we are but if we were to see a hit on the soybean yield um, there's not a lot to back, fall back on we just don't have those stocks that we had other years I think we'll end up okay I think that's kind of your worst case scenario I, I don't think that's exactly what's on tap so far it looks like beans are, are holding out pretty well well and then as we move through August we're going to get confirmation at some of the other parts of the Midwest too Nebraska uh, some of those areas that really I think have been hit harder than we have with weather this growing season too they really have Nebraska I think will have to be watched very closely that state always gets tricky because they have you know a lot more irrigation than other areas now that doesn't necessarily help with the heat. It helps with the water, kind of indirectly the heat. But there is signs that they're in, in a tough spot. Um, northwest Iowa, south, far southeast, South Dakota is tough. And then once you go further to the east, Illinois is not, not ideal, but certainly not in a bad spot. But you get to the south of those Kentucky, Tennessee, they went from way too dry to too wet. And there's some other areas where we started out too wet and went to dry. We just don't seem to have the crops don't seem to have rooted. So I think there's going to be a lot of interest in what happens in the next few weeks with the crop progress um, on Monday. Now, Katie, I don't want to forget about harvest. I mean, we were already starting to see some harvest happening here in the Northern Plains. Small grains are being taken uh, taken out. It looks like the crop is doing mostly good, except for a few rounds of ergot we're hearing about. But is there anything farmers need to be aware of when they think about marketing their harvest crop. In an ideal world, some of that grain would have been sold ahead of time. I know with the low start we had, that's not exactly what happened in a lot of cases uh, because we just didn't know if it was going to get in the ground. But if you have not sold it, I don't know if today is the day to start. You know, some of that plays in seasonally. We don't like to sell off the combine if we can avoid it. Uh, So if you have room, I think there's something to be said, you know, for putting it away, you know, the the flip side is I don't suspect we're going to have a lot of yield claims from what I've heard so far. Now, maybe when we get to the later stuff, that'll be different. But so far, everybody's yield seems to be very, very strong. Um, Ergot, like you talked about, has been an issue in pockets. If that's you, make sure you call your crop insurance agent. Um, get their direction on what they want you to do with that because there are some rules about who can pull the samples and, and so on and so forth. So I, I would say if you find Ergit, you know, go ahead and make that phone call. Let your agent deal with that end of it because the sooner the better and just, uh, you know, get your direction from there. And, and then, as always, keep real good track of your production. We need it by, by section and, and really preferably by field. Katie, what else should farmers be thinking about marketing-wise as we wrap up the growing season here and head into harvest? And I think just be careful. Like I said, we try to avoid selling at harvest. If you have not sold anything for 2022 corn or beans, I think you know making some small sales just to get caught up is probably not a bad plan. Is there anything else you'd like to add, Katie? You know, if anyone has any questions, they um, can feel free to get a hold of us. They go on our website. It's www.agcountry.com, and they will have. Uh, office numbers and the closest location video. You can always message Ag Country on Facebook, Twitter, or at agcountry.com. 
This is the Fielding Questions podcast, a collaboration between Ag Country Farm Credit Services and the Red River Farm Network.